You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, the Gator panel is here again. Gators breakdown in the Big Three roll up, bringing you the best from all around Gator Nation once again. As the Gators wrap up spring football, Uncle Silk, Corey Knowles from the Big Three Roll Up, steaming up right here with Gators Breakdown. Hey, Silk, it's, uh, it's prime lying season uh, and trolling season, uh, and Dan Mullen in the spring with a troll that's right up there with the, with your standards. I am good that clear today. What would you say again? I'm saying it's, it's, li- it's, li- it's, the question? it's lying and trolling season. Oh, it's definitely lying season. Um, my lies are big. Uh, Felipe Franks came out look look a lot better than um, he did last spring. I like the intermediate throws. I like the deep throws. I mean, it was fr- it was offensive friendly, but I like what I seen. Um, we got to fix some things with the offensive line and the trenches and whatnot. But these lines are ready to go, bro. We finna we gonna put up a forty burger on Miami that first game. All right. So also with us are uh, Gator Media members uh, you're also uh, familiar with. So let's start with the uh, introductions. Uh, Zach Albaverde, we'll start with you. What's up, Gator Nation? Glad to be back on the panel. Are you eating? No, I finished. Okay. <laughs> uh, I still Nick got Del- my drink, though. Nick Delatore jumped in right there. Nick. Nick Delatore, Gator Country. Thanks for tuning in. Me and, <laughs> me, and Nick have, me and Nick have already talked for two hours today, so. There we go. There we go. Thomas Goldcamp. Yeah, Thomas Goldcamp, 24-7 Sports. Thanks for having me on, man. Graham. Graham Hall, Gainesville Sun, occasionally Gator Bait, occasionally ESPN WRUF. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Put it up with me. Thanks. <laughs> Dan. Occasionally at a barbershop as well. <laughs> not, not really. Clearly not. Not enough. Not enough. Uh, Dan Thompson, our lead writer for Gator Country. All right. Connor. What's up, Connor Clark? Partial big three roll-up, partial self-made. There we go. There we go. So, all right. Uh, let's pick it up, uh, of course. Uh, Felipe Franks, guys, uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, Zach, to start with you. Uh, guys, any, any surprise that Felipe Franks picked up right where he left off dating back to the Peach Bowl last season? Uh, no, maybe. Uh, I think he made huge strides. Um, I'm having I'm having issues with hearing, but I think uh, Franks made huge strides from the, from the Peach Bowl. Uh, we see him after the South Carolina game. Each game is getting better and better, even at the end of the South Carolina game. And I think he made the same progress. I'm uh, interested to see how good he is in year two under Dan Mullen, like all the other Dan Mullen quarterbacks. So just wait and see at this point, man. I'm pretty sure we all got some fluff and, and some great things to say. We'll just keep it moving. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't in my perspective from the Peach Bowl, really. It was, you know, telling – me to shut up, telling everyone in the stands to shut up. Ever since that moment, whatever that did for him, uh, you know, just getting all of that negative crap out of out of him and and telling everyone to shut up. Um, from the South Carolina game, the next three games, really, you saw him improve, and I think he just carried that into the spring. Um, so if he needs to tell someone to shut up every every game, I think, and you keep playing better that way, then go ahead and do it. Because I mean, the end of that South Carolina game, and then into 
uh, Florida State, Michigan. And he hasn't really taken a step back at all this spring. And I, I leave spring thinking this is his team, whether or not they're going to name it. And, and, you know, I don't think they'll come out and name him. Uh, I mean, that's your starting quarterback. That's how your team's going to, you know, ride with Felipe Franks. There's no short leash like there was towards the end of last year, towards the part of the season last year. I think to me the confidence seems more authentic a little bit. You know, there's been times before where Felipe yeah. Franks has said, you know, oh, I'm, I'm I feel confident in myself and all that. But I'm not sure that it really translated all the time. Um, I thought to me, especially you read that ESPN piece that they did about him. I thought that was a really good piece. <laughs> I think you're starting to see him kind of admit that you know he wasn't as good as he could have been in the past, and that's something he never would have done. I mean, I asked him after the Georgia game, his redshirt freshman year, you know, why the offense didn't get better, and he goes, "What? You don't think we've gotten better?" So I just think he's a different person. Um, I'm not entirely sold that he's going to pick up where he left off. I think, you know, we'll talk about it. I'm sure the offensive line is going to be a mess early on, and we'll see how that affects his confidence. But to me right now, I think Nick nailed it. I think this is his team, and that really, really came across for me in the spring. Yeah, I think obviously we've seen his play improve uh, a good bit. That, that goes without question. Um, and, but it's his demeanor that I think you can say has come a long way uh, in even six months uh, the way that he carries himself, and that's obviously goes hand in hand with how he has improved on the field. Uh, accountable is a word that that coaches love using over and over again, and and you can say that Felipe has kind of owned up to a lot of those mistakes. That that false confidence, in a sense, and, and getting defensive, which he was kind of known for in his first two and a half years, um, and and it's his fourth spring, so you kind of expect him to be now in a place where he is having that maturity. So so for him to have these things. Uh, you know, it, it's expected, but a few years ago, a few months ago, even it, it didn't look like he was capable of having that. So that's the biggest progression that I saw out of him uh, probably since uh, November. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. I mean, when we saw Felipe Franks uh, at Friday Night Lights, what, five years ago, we always said the biggest issue that, that he's going to need is he just needs good coaching. He's just a, he was like a few years away when he enrolled, and unfortunately for him and his confidence, uh, he just got thrown in right away. So, um, you know, the fact that he's had some good coaching, the fact that uh, he had a lot of success towards the end of the year, I think that you're going to start to see him build uh, on top of that. I, don't, you know, I know the offensive line is, you know, there's a question mark there, but I don't know. Obviously, he needs good offensive line play. I'm just not sure he needs as good an offensive line play to be a successful quarterback this year as he did last year. So I'm curious to see how – He's able to step up if the offensive line isn't as good because I think he's improved drastically as a quarterback. Connor? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same as everybody else has said. You see the steps he's taken from day one under Dan Mullen to the end of the spring here. He's looking a lot more confident running the offense. I've talked to several people that say he exudes that confidence around the team. Um, whether it be in the locker room, whether it be going across campus, he just carries himself differently than what he did last year. Um, he's making throws, he's making reads, and he's looking to people off that you really wouldn't have seen before. Um, so you're talking about a kid with NFL tools and measurables that, like Dan said, just needed coaching, and it looks like he's finally getting that, and he's benefiting from it greatly. Zach, let's see if we can get your response back in here. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously a, a lot of the points that you guys have touched on, I think from my perspective, uh, thinking back to the spring and the offseason last year, what people were saying about Felipe Franks, just typical Gator fans that were calling my radio show, uh, I think the general consensus from 
most fans was this guy's is beyond repair and there's no way that he's going to be able to get turned around uh, by Dan Mullen, Brian Johnson, whoever. I mean, there were there were many fans that didn't even want to see this guy take another snap. You fast forward to now, and I got people calling my show talking about, you know, if this guy's going to be a dark horse to win the Heisman, which I think is, is not even in, in the conversation. But the fact that a fan would even call and suggest that um, shows how far he's come in just a year. Now, that has nothing to do with his play on the field. But I think the fact that he shows up to work every day, he shows up around his teammates, and there's no longer a question about whether he can do the job or do people believe in him. I mean, this is his team. Um, he, like, like we talked about on the radio today with Nick, he can go out there and have a five-interception game this season. He doesn't have to worry about getting benched. I mean, he can go out and have a bad game now, and he's earned the right to keep his starting job. And for him to know that and, just, and, and not have people calling the radio show every day asking for this guy to sit down, um, that, that's gone a long way too. And I think him going out there and being productive. Yeah. A couple of questions that uh, I have for Franks right now is how much deeper can they get into the playbook with him and how much of the offense, uh, how, 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 how deeper can they get into this playbook with not having to learn so much that he had to learn this time a year ago, uh, the court, all the quarterbacks for that, that, that matter. And, and kind of where they're at with him in this offense, you know, do we also see him less in the run game to protect him? Uh, do, do they value his quarterback play that much you know, in obvious run situations? Is this a, a part where maybe you insert Emory or Jalen Jones in this situation just to kind of limit his hits. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a believer in really coaching to save injury. Yeah, I think you coach to win games, but you know, but, but Florida's going to go as far as Franks and the offensive line takes him this year. That's kind of where I, I, I'm standing with this team. So I can see the staff wanting to to limit uh, his number of uh, of runs there. But guys, it's not all you know, sunshine and rainbows out there. Some are still not willing to give uh, credit to, to Franks in this offense. You know, some will go back and look at that miraculous completion to Grimes to get things going versus South Carolina. That was just a week after getting benched versus Missouri. Uh, the other side of the argument is, you know, the defenses in the second half of the season weren't that great. Played the Michigan defense, missing its best players. Uh, my stance is, you know, progress has to start somewhere. So uh, I get that there are some reservations about believing in Franks, but you still got to give him credit where credit is due. And we've seen him in those situations before and not get it done. He improved. He got it done, and it's a great starting point. Well, I think that's one of the reasons, hesitant, you know, to say that he's definitely a different go guy. Ahead, go ahead, what you said, and then you know, he he was going against a defense this spring that played a lot of basic coverages. I, I do think he's improved as a passer, and maybe maybe guys like Nick and Graham who've been out there uh, can speak on this. But I, I just think he is putting the ball in better places for his guys to catch the ball, which to me is a pretty big improvement. You could tell. You could tell you're one. Yeah, the yeah. It's been there. But I, think, I think I think the biggest confidence. Um, let me yeah. just. I'm sorry, man. I think the biggest confidence of the fans. Well, I was. I was speaking for myself. I think my confidence is with Dan more than it is with Franks. Uh, I just think Dan Mullins is just whispering, and doing his thing with with Franks, bro. Um, and dumbing it down for him. Uh, he's making it real simple for Franks. So I trust. I trust Mullin with the quarterback position. So I don't care who's back there. Franks just got a big arm and can and can hit. Wide receivers anywhere on the field, so the playbook's more fun. Go ahead, Dan. My bad, man. I think it was Nick. Yeah, that was me. Um, I think that the first spring, I mean, this has been Mullen's playbook for as long as he's, you know, been an offensive coordinator. So when he calls a play and he can see what the defense is doing, he knows right away 
where the ball is supposed to go. And last year, when you've got a guy that's in the playbook for less than 15 weeks before he's you know going through camp, he doesn't know. And there was frustration on Dan's part. Like, how can you not see that? It's like, well, it's brand new. I think the thing that Thomas was saying is accuracy is getting better and he's putting the ball in better places is there isn't so much thinking. All right, well, I just called this play. What's happening in this play? It's I know what's going on on my side. It gives you a chance to look at the defense, how they're lined up. And then you're getting into a point where like, where Dan Mullen is because he's, he's, it's his offense is, all right, well, that's what the defense is doing. This is where I'm going with the ball. So it's taking away. And like what Silk said, it's dumbing it down. It's making it easier. Part of that is just he's more comfortable with it. And you can be more accurate when you're not worried about, well, who's going to be open. You know who's going to be open based on the coverage. And now you can focus on, well, where do I need to put the ball on my receiver rather than just, all right, well, who's going to be open? Which one of these four options is it? Well, just to add on to that, you and I talked to Tyree Cleveland after the spring game, and he basically said the same thing. He said, Franks knows how to identify a mismatch now, and if he sees you know, a certain coverage, he's going to hot route it. And that has made a big difference for them in terms of just picking up those first downs. All right, there we go. I think we'll move on. Uh, from, anybody else got anything right there from Fleet? Yeah, I, I would just say to your point, uh, your, your question about how the staff is going to go about him running the football, I think one – thing that's important to consider is is they're not gonna have to worry about holding Emory back at all uh, that's number one so in the event that Felipe ever goes down uh, you're still going to be able to have that running element in your offense because of number five and also like you mentioned the other Jones um, with whatever capacity he can be used this year but I think the the one thing with Felipe that's going to really make a difference is that he's just comfortable now I mean we, we saw in that uh, in the Peach Bowl when he was back there and called that audible and was able to see things and, and make that play, if he's willing to, and, and capable of doing stuff like that, the staff is going to still give him that green light to do it. Now, the one thing that he has to be careful about um, so that he can preserve himself and the staff doesn't have to worry about him getting hurt is just not taking those big shots. And Mullen even said something about that when he had that collision with Brad Stewart, which I'm sure got a lot of fans excited and what you like to see but you got to be smart uh, in practice and even in games where if you can slide down or just uh, avoid some of the tougher contact, you should do that. Um, and those are some of the, I think, tips and advice that he'll get. But they're still going to want him to run hard uh, and have the freedom to run within the system. All right, guys, any uh, talking about surprises of Felipe Franks and where he may be, may be leaving off for the Peach Bowl. Any more surprises, uh, positively or negative, negatively, from the spring? And I'll start this one. I think mine is Kyle Pitts. You know, whether you want to label him as a wide receiver or a tight end, uh, uses the side physicality uh, pretty, you know, pretty well and is a mismatch against defensive backs right now. He catch slants not far from the line of scrimmage. He can go down the seam, uh, attack the ball. Um, but, you know, to get there, I think his, his route running has gotten better as as the springs is going on. It's definitely better from from last season, and pretty good for a big guy gets in and out of his breaks. Uh, you know, you're pretty fluid. So th there's a lot to like there. And, and my good buddy Sean Steed brought it up, and, and it flashed in my head as well at one of the open practices. And this could be you know Mullins, Cornelius Ingram, the, the big rangy target that's hard to keep up with because of the creative play calling from Mullen, uh, but also just the pure mismatch that he is. Yeah, Florida has mismatches all over the field, especially at that wide receiver and tight end position. They've got the, the big guys, they got the rangy guys, they got the guys that are great route runners. Your your Freddie Swains, 
your guys that are always open and then you have your speed guys, your, your Tony's and uh, you know, some of some newer guys that are coming in Jacob Copeland. So you, you have so many different targets at that, that wide receiver and tight end position. It's going to be difficult for a team to be able to, to try to guard all those. So if you get good offensive line play or at least decent offensive line play, you know, Florida's got some great running backs with, uh, with LaMichael Pirine and Damian Pierce and Malik Davis coming back. Uh, you've got Naquan Wright coming in. So you've got the threat of running. Uh, Felipe Franks has shown that that he's a, at least a, a competent passer um, that can also move with his legs, even though he looks like a giraffe. And then you have your your wide receivers and your tight ends. So you have potential mismatches all over the field. So it's going to be you know a challenge for a lot of the defenses to try to figure out what to do and how to line up. Um, and then if Felipe Franks can read the defense of, of what they're doing and what they're preparing for and be able to potentially audible or hot read out of that into, you know, potentially different play to, to play against those, uh, those, um, those matchups, you know, it, it could be a, a pretty prolific offense potentially. I was pretty impressed with uh, Florida's defensive backs and, and you're considering that Marco Wilson, you know, as a freshman who was, one of the best corners is, is out right now. And, and uh, the guys that they have added, Chris Steele and, and then Kyer Elam, not even on campus. Uh, but John Huggins have had a great spring. Um, Florida's the, the depth that they have a defensive back, I think, is also why we talk so highly of, of Felipe Franks and, and the performance that he's done this spring because it's going against guys that likely would be starting on every single SEC team um, right now, except probably Alabama right now. And, and, and that's the thing, that's the thing that, that you look at um, when it comes to analyzing Felipe Franks' game. He wouldn't make those throws and, like Thomas said, put receivers in the right direction. He, he was coming up short in all those areas, and, and um, that's what's been so impressive to me, the, the way that he's putting throws and the defensive back depth, um, because that, that was not something that was sticking out last spring at all. I'll go a little different direction. Uh, I thought, um, based on everything I had heard from inside the program last year, that John DeLance was a guy that probably wouldn't end up doing much at Florida. And I think, you know, maybe partly by necessity this spring with Florida replacing four starters on the offensive line. Uh, I, I thought he played better than expected until he had the ankle injury. Um, and so that's a pleasant surprise, I think, for Florida. He's a guy that they're going to really need to count on. And I thought John Hevesy had some interesting comments at one point in the spring about how he feel like, you know, DeLance maybe feels a sense of urgency now. Um, Florida's got to get something out of him. I mean, that you know, the, the options are so limited on the O-line that they need him. And I thought when he was healthy, he actually did a pretty good job. Um, I'm probably higher on Steiner and Juwan Taylor at safety than, than most fans are. Um, but I, I think this isn't a slight against them more so than how impressed I was with John Huggins. If, if you always talk about getting your best five or your best six defensive backs on the field, I think John Huggins, the way I saw him play in the spring, might be one of those guys. And if that means moving Trey Dean and letting him play a little free safety, if he can handle that, if that's how you get your five, your six best on the field, then to me, I, I was just so impressed with John Huggins and, and him playing that star, that you know, that Chauncey Gardner type role. I know that plan was to move Trey Dean there, but if Trey Dean can play safety and, and and you can get your best five or six defensive backs in there, I think John Huggins is working his way into that group. Yeah, obviously this the offensive line was a huge story going storyline going into the spring. I think that's something that I'll have to continue to get monitored, especially with McMullen saying after the orange and blue game that they're going to go after a grad transfer. But to me, the defensive side of the ball after the O line questions was was really what were the question marks going into to this year. And you guys mentioned the star position and the guys that emerged there with Huggins 
and Trey Dean. I think another big takeaway from the spring um, is really how there's not been much of a conversation or worry at all about replacing Boshan Joseph and Ja'Kai Polite. And that's because of really the first week of the spring. I think what everyone was talking about was, uh-oh, look, there's that guy, Amari Bernie, running with the starting linebackers. And for him to step in and make that transition and maybe even possibly be an upgrade from Boshan Joseph, that's been, uh, you know, made a seamless transition through the spring. And then Ventro, or um, excuse me, Greener coming in uh, to fill in for Polite. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to expect that guy to have the production that Polite did, but he's going to know what he's supposed to do in that buck position, especially now that he's had the spring to get comfortable. And if he can be a guy that, you know, steps in there to replace him and there's not much of a drop-off, that's going to really help Florida be a good defensive unit on top of what they got at the start position and with Bernie at linebacker. So if they don't have a drop-off defensively and then they make a jump offensively, um, you have to watch out for this team. Go ahead, Connor. Any surprises uh, that caught your eye uh, during the spring, positive or negative? Um, I have to go with what Nick said, man. The the development of, of John Huggins to be able to play that star position. Um, we were all talking about because even right after Chauncey announced he was going pro, we were all talking Trey Dean moving to star. Um, so if if somebody can step in, and Trey Dean was getting rave reviews early in spring ball, saying he's playing the star position great, but then you got a kid that comes in like John Huggins that's so young. Uh, just like Trey Dean is, if if you can get both of them on the field at the same time, I think you have to find a way to do it, um, especially with the lack of – production shown throughout spring and to some point last year at safety. Uh, if you can throw Trey Dean, move him over to safety, which a lot of people believe was his natural position coming out of high school anyways, um, and was thrown to cornerback out of necessity, then I think you have to do that. And Huggins proved this spring with limited sample size. Um, he's not going against uh, the Alabamas, the LSUs and stuff like that. And the scrimmage, it kind of looked – I don't know if that that throw deep to the flat looked a little scripted, in my opinion. Um, but he was still in great coverage, and it's something that, like Nick said, you got to try to find a way to get your best players on the field in the secondary. And the two of them appeared to be part of that top five, top six. I'll make a quick prediction on that. I think what Florida is going to do in fall camp, I think the coaches are going to end up trying Jaden Hill and maybe even Chester Kimbrough at that nickel spot early on. And if either of them looks good, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Huggins move back to safety. I mean, do you think I agree. Elam there as well? What's that? Do you think they might put Elam there as well? I, I think Elam ends up being your guy opposite Steele as the, the second backup cornerback, but that's just me. Left you, so Nope, he's still on mute. I don't know what the issue is there. What do you there do with Dean at that point? Um, say Jaden Hill at, at the nickel. What, what, where does Dean go? You got to have Dean on the field. I, I don't see no, no, sorry. I'm, I'm saying Dean is your starter, but if they can get a good backup that they feel about other than Huggins, then I think they maybe look at moving Huggins back to safety. Got you. Yeah, my surprise is probably uh, Kadarius Tony actually running routes as a wide receiver. He ran a couple post corners and some routes, and I was a little shocked, man. He actually looked like a wide receiver and not a project or a guy just running jet sweep. So I think that'd be my surprise, man. If we could get him to not just be 
a threat running the ball or doing wildcat stuff and actually can run deep routes and whatnot, I think that's going to be a, a plus for the offense in the playbook. That's just another a weapon that's down the field, not just you can load the box on every time he's on the field. Yeah, I didn't get uh, many negative uh, surprises here. So um, I guess we I guess we, we knew going into spring, we knew, and it looks that way coming out of spring, that the uh, offensive line situation is probably you know, one of the biggest negatives on the team right now. Uh, Mullen even mentioned that uh, they'll probably go uh, look in the grad transfer market. So, uh, Nick, I'll start with you. Is the offensive line situation as dire as it looks right now? Um, I, I feel – I feel fine. I don't feel great about the first team. I feel fine about the first team. Um, but when you start, one guy goes down. Um, that's that, There's just a huge gap between the first team and the second team, and it's understandable. I mean, I think four of the guys on the second team, third team, are um, early enrollees. And uh, it, offensive line is just the position. I mean, everyone will point to, like, you know, like Alex Leatherwood or somebody who came in and did it right away. But those are the exceptions, not the rules. It's a tough position to grow into and to be ready for coming from high school to, to college. And those guys just aren't ready yet. So, I mean, as many grad transfer offensive linemen as you can get, just to bridge the gap to let those guys who are going to be so young this year to not have them, not, you know, like somebody goes down like, hey, you're 18 years old, good luck. You're playing LSU next week and you're starting to left tackle. Um, you know, you want to avoid a situation like that. But right now I, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence in the second team offensive line completely understandable given that you know they all should have been in high school during the time i'm watching them play good connor uh yeah i'm probably gonna run off of piggyback piggyback off of nick's thing again it's not as bad as i think people are making it out to be like he said there's a huge gap between one and two um you're looking at the possibility of adding a grad transfer to, to sure that up. Um, you're looking at guys like Dan, uh, said, uh, was it Dan or was it Thomas that said about John DeLance? Thomas. Thomas. Okay. So yeah, you got a guy that's playing above what everybody thought he would, which is an awesome thing to see. But then behind him, you got a true freshman that should be in high school at, as the backup right tackle in Tarquin. So you're looking at possibly adding other kids and you don't know how that's going to mix with the guys that have been through spring all year. Um, with that being said, I trust John Hevesy completely. Started the season last year. Offensive line was another question mark, though we were returning so many people because it didn't look great in the spring. Um, and then as the year progressed, they continued to get better and better until you saw a pretty solid offensive line towards the latter part of the season. Um, so with Hevesy coaching them, I've got complete confidence in him. But if somebody does go down, you're looking at a very, very thin offensive line that's going to have to learn by fire like Trey Dean did as a freshman last year. Yeah, that's, that's where I was going to kind of go, and you guys can follow off of that, is bringing up John Hevesy. And I kind of made the joke last week on Twitter, if you go back to 2015 and what the six offensive linemen that Florida you know, were playing with and couldn't go hardly through a spring game uh, with, and you had Michael Wayne, Nussmeyer, Mike Summers, that group there, getting something out of that group. Uh, you look, uh, and, and Will, Greer, Will Greer helped there too. And look, you can't use the transitive property, you know, in, in sports too much. But if that group can get it done and the small numbers they had there, uh, I, I got some confidence in this group. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, I 
while I think that the offensive line is exceptionally and extremely important for, for Florida's success, I don't think it's as important as it was last year because I think you have some stronger weapons at the wide receiver position, the tight end position, uh, you know, and the running back position is probably just about the same. So, you know, I, but you have a, a, a market improvement with Felipe Frank. So I think that, you know, there's more faith in their ability to get it done rather than forcing the offensive line to play so well that they're creating a, you know, probably a much longer pocket or a much larger pocket or a, you know, longer protection than maybe they need to this year. You know, Felipe Frank seemed to get the ball out a little bit quicker. He seemed to be leading the, uh, the wide receivers and tight ends a little bit better. So I, I think there's maybe slightly less of a reliance on the offensive line being, you know, a, a seven or eight out of 10, and, and maybe they can get by with being a, you know, a, a six and a half, seven, uh, you know, and, and still be, you know, pretty successful offense. Yeah, I, I, think, I, think that, I think, I think it's a really good there. point, Dan. I would just add on that even in the scenarios early on in the season, probably not against Miami, uh, but against maybe some other SEC teams where Florida might have some trouble uh, with pass blocking and or run blocking do not doubt Dan Mullen and his staff's ability to come up with a game plan that's going to counteract that. Case in point, Mississippi State, they had no chance to block those defensive linemen, and they came up with a game plan uh, to go around that. Now, they only scored 13 points, but it was enough for them to get the W, and they had to pull off that trick play in order to do it. But if they get in another situation, another matchup, where they're going to have a tough time blocking, um, I think Mullen and Hebesy and, and that staff will come up with a good game plan uh, so that they can still have success. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Zach on that. I just think Dan Mullen is good with getting the ball out quick, um, doing, using a lot of bubble screen for long running running plays and whatnot. So I, I'm not worried about the offensive line play with John Hevesy, man. I trust the guy, especially after last year. They started a little slow, but those guys started to gel. Um, I think by fall camp, we had a grad transfer here or there. You know what I'm saying? I think we'll be fine. I'm not, I'm not worried about offensive line play. Uh, there's other positions that I'd be worried about more. I think we need to sure up like safety and whatnot. I'm, I'm more concerned about the back end of our defense than our offensive line. I think Dan Mullen to find a way to kind of hide our deficiencies. Yeah, you guys have all kind of hit on it. I think um, this staff's pretty good at adjusting, and I think there's no question that they know, uh, you know, what they have on the offensive line. And I think so I think Dan Mullen is pretty good at. Um, kind of synergizing the game plan with that. The one thing I'll say is I think that you're going to have to um, be a little bit more risk averse early in the season. And what I mean by that is I, I have a little bit of concern about when you're starting four new guys, can they handle 70 snaps a game? To me, that takes a couple weeks to get used to before you're really up to that conditioning level uh, full time. So I, I just think mistakes early on are going to be more costly for Florida than maybe later in the season. And I think that's kind of what you guys are saying is Dan Mullen and his staff probably know that and will adjust accordingly. Yeah, I think besides just endurance, it's also communication, right? It's so important that the offensive line is communicating effectively with each other, and you've got a bunch of new voices. So, you know, it's going to be really important that they spend a lot of time together this offseason, uh, really working on on their communication and how they're going to handle, you know, cadences and how they're going to handle these, these large environments where they're going to be forced to really rely uh, on the person next to them to communicate effectively. Hey, Graham, before you jump in, and you're in, uh, Thomas kind of just brought it up there and I'll get your thought here. Does this offensive line kind of, of course, first game of the season, it's been moved up. You know, it's Florida, Miami. Does, does that group and the perceived weakness there kind of make that game maybe a little closer than what, uh, especially what Gator fans are hoping that game ends up being? 
Can Graham not hear me? Oh, so sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I you're asking me. Um, no, I, I don't think it's that big of an adjustment. Um, it being earlier, obviously it accelerates the timeline um, for when guys are going to have to be ready. Uh, in terms of the offensive line, I, I don't know if there's a guy out there that's going to be able to come in and have an Adam Schuler type impact or, or a John Greener type impact. That just doesn't seem likely when it comes to offensive line. If anything, to kind of echo what everyone else has said, you're looking for for depth. You're looking for a guy who can who can possibly fill in if someone goes down or can play a role there and allow one of these other guys who's been through a spring already uh, to, to be one of those critical reserves because, like Thomas just said, 70 snaps is a lot to get used to if you haven't done it. And as we even saw last year, Florida's offensive line featured probably the top tackle taken in the upcoming draft, and, and he needed a while to adjust, and, he, and you saw him get better. So it's a unit that's going to take some bumps uh, very early in the season, but will no doubt uh, you got to trust John Hevesy and his development that they'll get better once they're used to step 70 snaps and have played four, five, six games here. I guess defense has got to replace a whole lot of success, a whole lot of starters there, a lot of production that went on uh, to the NFL. And a couple of these guys, of course, are expected to be uh, high draft picks. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite, Johnson Gardner-Johnson, Fasan Joseph. You guys feel comfortable about We've kind of hit on it a little bit. You guys feel comfortable at the, the spots there that uh, the guys that are looking at coming in and, and filling those spots? Is there, is there some, there's I think there's some confidence from Gator Nation, especially after uh, all the springs, kind of capitalizing with the spring game this past weekend of uh, of the guys who look to be filling in at those spots. Well, somebody talked about Bernie already. I think it was Zach saying he could potentially be an upgrade. I think I agree with that, you know, especially if he's a little better mentally suited to staying in his gaps. I think the one thing everybody looks at, you know, Greenard as Polite's replacement. Uh, but I actually think that because of the way he plays, He's not quite as explosive as Polite, but he's much more smooth and is much better at setting the edge, a little bit more powerful. I think you're going to actually see Jabari Zaniga emerge as the big pass rusher for Florida this year, and I think he could have a really, really big season. Yeah, I uh, I agree with Thomas on the fact that uh, I think Jabari Zuniga is going to be a lot more featured in the pass rush this year um, and that Greenard is more built to kind of set the edge unlike Ja'Kai Polite did, um, well, failed to do a lot last year. You saw us get beat uh, because he likes to just get after the quarterback. I think to fill that kind of, I don't want to say lack of pass rush from Greenard, but I think you'll supplement uh, Mahmoud Diabate a lot in uh, obvious passing downs um, to get after the quarterback. He's shown an elite first step getting off the line, and people are raving about him in spring. Um, so you're looking at somebody like that. And then, um, like he said, Bernie possibly being an upgrade, both in coverage and, uh, gap being gap sound. So you're looking at a possibility if everything goes right of being an upgraded defense from last year, though you lose guys like Ja'Kai Polite, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Voshan Joseph. Yeah, I think it's, it'd be a more of a group effort. If we could get some, like, interior, I think we get some interior action and some production, more production this year out of the interior line. I didn't think we did we did that well uh, with the interior line last year. But I think like, with Zach Carter and those guys getting some some snaps at defensive tackle and passing downs, I think we could get some production out of those guys as well. And as a group, I think they'll be fine with, with, with I think, making up for polite production last year as a group. Guys, to go, let me look at that star position before you guys, uh, before we move on further here, uh, with, with the same thought. We, we mentioned Dean and Huggins. 
you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he first of all brought leadership, uh, but the way he was able to bounce back from the previous year, kind of maybe playing out of position from the year before, but coming back in as a blitzer, coming back in as a playmaker, creating turnovers, uh, Graham, uh, Zach, Nick, I mean, can – uh, I think we like the athleticism those guys bring, but can they be the can they be the playmaker Chauncey Gunder Johnson was? Uh, I, I think so. I, th- I think they are um, where Chauncey was uh, as a tackler last season. They're getting at least close to that point right now. Uh, in terms of being a dynamic playmaker, I mean, you look at you look at Huggins, um, you look at Trey Dean if he if he's going to play there. You look at Amari Bernie, um, guys who are going to be who are going to fill in there at those spots that are going to fill in with Boshan leaving. Also, I, I think that they can get there, but that's a lot to expect um, in year one. I think it's, it's a blessing that that Trey Dean got the experience that he did last year. I'm not going to ever call anyone suffering an injury, a blessing, but it's always an experience to get a freshman. Uh, it's always a blessing to get a, a freshman, a lot of experience. And, and with Marco coming back, uh, who's to say that he can't have a great year and live up to those expectations. Yeah, I think when you look at Trey Dean, if he's able to stay there and he's the guy that starts at star, I mean, that dude is a playmaker. He showed that last year, and I think now that he's got that confidence, he's a second year into the system, he's a guy that you can really plug anywhere and and have him make plays. Um, The one thing that he's going to bring where I don't know enough about Huggins and his personality, but I can speak to Dean's, is just the presence that, Chauncey brought. I mean, he was the alpha dog or one of the alpha dogs on that defense, and he kept that secondary um, kind of everybody looking to him as a, in a leadership role. I think that Dean, maybe he's not going to show that early on because he's playing next no, to Dean got that Marco, but he's got that in him. He's got that dog in him. Yeah. And he's got that leadership quality to take that on if he ends up staying there and starting. Who's the attitude guy on defense now with, with Chauncey out there? You know, the, the, I think the trash talk that he brought. I, I think it's bro, Dean. That's Dean. No, it's Dean. 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 Dean for sure. Definitely. Okay. Dean, Dean got that in him, bro. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I guess, I guess my question is, do we uh, in two years when they're back in Tallahassee, is he standing up in the stands with a Seminole head in his hand? No, there he plants go. the flag. That He plants uh, the flag in two years. <laughs> yeah, you got to do that on your way out, Dave. You can't just be grabbing those heads. Chauncey was on his way out, bro. So, and no consequences. Hey, Dean might be on his way out in two years. <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because it all goes back to getting those like silk say you just get you get your best guys on the field and you try to figure out what they can do but you don't want to just play someone well he plays safety and this guy plays plays stars. i'll tell you what man. we do need to like the safety position is is was never secured last year i think uh brad stewart was suspended some you had guys that was uh, missing some plays. I think the safety room needs to get some some off the field stuff cleaned up, and also on the field as far as uh, assignment wise, they need to get some stuff cleaned up, man. Like in a hurry, because I think that out of all position groups, they was the one one of the position groups that really didn't. I'm not gonna say improve, but I think all year it was just no no consistency consistency. So I think those guys need to get that fixed, man. Um, I don't care who they put back there, whether it's Dean Huggins. I just know last year wasn't working, and I don't want to see the same names or the same suspensions. You know what I'm saying? It's time to just figure some things out at the safety position. No, no doubt. And that's why I think I think the staff like likes Dean enough at the nickel that I'm pretty sure he's locked in there as a starter. And I think that if they can get another backup they feel comfortable with, that's when you see maybe Huggins moving back there to pair with Stewart 
Because I think those two are your, probably your highest upside guys if you're talking about guys that can play back there at safety. Well, that's the thing about us. The problem isn't, isn't ability. I don't right. know what the problem is. Uh, he has other problems, but availability is Stewart's issue, not not ability. If he's is he, if he's available to play, he's great, but he just, just hasn't been there. He missed a lot of games last year. People forget, man, he just wasn't available a lot. He's just going to college in the wrong state. <laughs> not his ability it's his availability <laughs> hey ain't made the club in the tub either no can't but uh my other my other question would be in uh, someone was talking about it before but um getting pressure from the interior defensive line i just don't know right now you've got the dogs in the depth there um i'm still waiting to see it from from tj slayton and from elijah conliff um i really liked what you got from from the guys ahead of them last year, but you need some depth. And Chris Rumpf said it. You know, I learned at Alabama that those guys have one gas tank, and and when that's cashed, if it's cashed in the second second quarter, there's no refilling that gas tank for those big boys. So you need to find a rotation of guys. You can't put it all on Jabari Zuniga and Jonathan Greenard, and and we forget about Jeremiah Moon because he missed the spring, but that's a guy that's going to be expected to pick up a lot of the slack in the pass rushing. But you got to have some guys, some some space seaters, some guys that command and demand double teams inside to give those guys on the edge the chance to have a one-on-one, it's a, ch- a chance to win their matchup. Yeah, see, I think, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go, Silk. That's, that's just my – I think I think with them being flexible with Zach Carter, gives, I think that – I think he's had uh, – Coach Turner say he was the most consistent defensive uh, lineman all spring. I think slide him to defensive tackle with his, his flexibility to be able to do some things at that position – it's gonna get them some room and depth there, man. That's that's what we banking on. Um, Malik Langham hit the hit the hit the transfer portal, which was which was weird because we don't have a lot of depth there, man. So I don't know if it's he wasn't he wasn't really fighting for any time either, though. From over yeah. spring, okay. yeah. So, yeah, and this year and this year won't gonna be the problem for 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 missing Langham. It was you know it's yeah. gonna it's gonna be the years coming up where or right, Langham exactly. is gonna be missed. So uh, it does eventually hurt but uh thomas yeah i think and i know you and i talked about it at one of the open practices for slayton you know he showed up at one of the open practices we were at and you and i looked at each other it's like hey it's, we saw this last spring but it's, it's time to put it together when, when august september hits right and you were encouraged by what you saw by them this spring you know slayton and conliffe but it's so hard to tell when you're going against an o-line that really doesn't have much experience i i would say i don't know that florida needs a whole lot of interior pressure when you're talking about pass rush you know, I'm looking at the numbers from last year, 37 sacks, 86 tackles for a loss. I think Ty Grantham's scheme is pretty good at creating pressure, you know, as long as those interior guys can hold hold the point. You know what I mean? But I think that's where you talk about the depth coming in um, because you can't have Tyree Campbell and Adam Schuler playing 60 snaps a game. You need Tadaro Slayton and, and, uh, and Conliffe to be able to play more like 30 snaps a game. Um, so I, I think if they can get that, they'll be okay. Um but, you know, I, I actually really – I thought Campbell and Schuler played pretty well this spring, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, to echo what Thomas said, it was pretty hard to to gauge where where guys like Zach Carter and, and Slayton are, <laughs> depending on, you know, when you're looking at the offensive line, you, it doesn't go both ways. Uh, so I, I am interested to see how they do – how they look against live competition. That's going to be really interesting, especially with the offensive line. Um, 
how they look when they're in live competition and the defense can can call more than four plays. That's that's something to watch as well. So uh, I, I think guys had good springs. I think TJ Slayton, the expectations are high. Same with Elijah Conliffe. Uh, but it still remains to be seen if they can live up to the, to the hype that, that we kind of saw this spring. Yeah, I think Thomas hit the nail on the head, though. I don't know what the what the hype is, and I don't know what the expectation is, other than if it's got to be a, just a cohesive unit. I mean, there were some practices. Slayton looked really, really good, and Zach yeah. Carter. So so based off those practices, Zach Carter looked extremely good in several practices that, that you would say that, that there is some hype there for those guys. And, and we do forget that a guy like Zach Carter – was between Florida and Clemson at one point. So there is that just natural level right. of hype. And I, 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 I think you have to agree with that. Well, so no, one, I, one other, I, one other real quick thing, Dan is uh, Zaniga told us after the spring game that, you know, last year in their, their past rush packages, he was the guy that slid inside to tackle. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be doing that this year. He's going to be on the outside as one of those guys, which to me tells you that Zach Carter's a guy they're looking in those yeah. pass rush packages to get involved inside. Right, and I guess where I was going was I, I don't know if you're ever going to see the guys that are on campus now ever be your elite you know, defensive tackles or Dexter Lawrence types. I don't think they need to be. I think they need, to, like you said, Thomas, the guys that are going to hold your, your guard and your center um, and be able to open the opportunity for your linebackers or your safeties to blitz. You know, that, and that's where I, I think that the defensive tackle position for Florida is very much a glue to try to make the rest of – uh, the defensive work, right? Um, so I don't know if you're ever going to see, you know, these guys that are on campus be elite defensive tackles as much as they might be serviceable defensive tackles that are doing their job. So it may never come across on the uh, on the scorecard or in the, uh, the stat book that they were playing elite. Um, but I think that you're going to see them playing well in other facets of the defense. All right, guys, so here we go. Uh, any changes from uh, before spring practice to where you now can see the, you know, the value of a true freshman come in uh, and make a name for himself? You know, maybe cornerback position, of course, with still getting, uh, you know, some early enrollee snaps there uh, coming in early. And then, uh, of course, I'm looking at Elam as well. Can he maybe come in and, and push for playing time as, you know, at the two cornerback spot opposite of – yeah, as a backup opposite of uh, – uh, of still behind Wilson and Henderson, uh, maybe in the nickel position early on, uh, maybe set up a move uh, for, for, you know, Huggins to make that move down to safety if they feel good about him there backing up Dean. So that's uh, so just a, a couple guys I'm looking at right there. Yeah, I think the further you get away from the ball, the easier it is to play as a freshman. I, I like Diabate the, the the to get some some snaps and some reps at um, as a freshman, but – I don't think he's somebody that we could depend on the first year. I think those freshman defensive backs are guys that we could depend on. I think all of them are talented. I think all of them could touch the field. Even Chester Kimbrough, I think he he can touch the field. And I just think you just get better uh, depth than we had last year. Uh, we you had those games like Georgia game where Henderson was hurt and and it really showed up real fast that we didn't have any defensive back depth. I think they fixed that this year and we don't we don't have those type of problems. But I I don't see any of the guys in the front seven really con- contributing too much. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's SEC, man. It's not that easy to just go from high school to playing consistent ball in the SEC in that front seven. I think where you'll see who's making an impact is when you look at special teams and who's on kick return, who's on punt return, and, and those freshmen that are playing on that are the, the ones that are impressing the coaching staff. 
I mean, Dan Mullen's team typically, at least last year, and uh, I mean, unless you have a freshman that's truly game-breaking, they're mostly playing those reserve kind of fill-in backup roles. Uh, and, I mean, look, last year you had, what, Trading, Amari Bernie. Those are really the two, and, and then obviously the kicker. Um, but I think you're, you're, you know, you look at Florida's roster. There's not a whole lot of spots where you say, okay, we could, we could use a freshman starting here. You know, maybe if one of the offensive linemen that shows up in the summer really does well. State of mind. Yeah. But I, I mean, I don't, I just don't see a whole lot of need for true freshmen to really step in right away next year. Yeah. This ain't Florida state. We won't, we won't have to <laughs> fill holes right now. It's a lot of wealth in Gainesville right now, baby. Poverty. That's been the word lately. <laughs> so, so what's your opening line if you're making a book what's your opening line for for week zero i don't even know what you're trying to ask me right now bro what's what's the point spread florida miami oh oh man I got you laying down I, I think we hit 40 points um they may get some garbage time points like they did against lsu the first game so i don't want to do a spread but i think we blow them out bro like i'm just i'm not trying to be over cocky confident or nothing like that i just think Dan got a rookie head coach he's facing and Manny. I think Manny got the the uh, the, the worst matchup he could get as a first time head coach versus yeah, a friend. Dan, Dan, yeah, Dan's facing a guy that was his defensive coordinator, so. He's, a, I mean, he's gonna know he's gonna know exactly how to exploit all that crap that Manny's trying to run on defense. I just think Manny's got he's learning on the job, and this is the wrong time to be learning on the job, dog. That's what, that's the way I see it. I think we dropped at least 40 on them people. And I don't know how many they score in garbage time when we when we sit our starters and put the third string in in the fourth quarter, <laughs> a couple touchdowns. So I don't want to say a spread. I don't know, so. I'll take 20 points the on the What's up? They did rent a yacht, though. They rented a yacht, so. It's gonna be, I can't gonna be trust you in that story, You got you to braid that back before I can trust you, man. <laughs> Bro, you, you going to do it? I don't braid your hair well. Look like this ain't Jim. <laughs> man, I need to go to a good barber shop. I need to have like to braid your hair, man. We got going on. Man. I need someone to I need someone to braid my hair. Fades Graham basically just said he needs someone with a darker skin tone to braid his hair. I didn't say that at all. I thought you were gonna be on that on the wave throw with me. What an accusation. I would never say that. Just get a haircut, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Silver. Zach, I'll start this next question with you. Jacob Copeland, uh, of course, you know, missed a whole lot of spring, uh, barely on the field. Any any worry there uh, that he's not available by fall? Is it just a precaution because he could be, you know, he, he I mean, he's projected to be that type of playmaker when it's all said and done. So, is it, you know, is it more precaution than anything? Oh, he's on mute. You're on mute, Zach. It's not a it's not a concern or worry for Florida in terms of their wide receiver position. They got plenty of options. I mean, they're not hurting for number fifteen to go out there and take the field at all. Um, where it becomes, I guess, potentially problematic is just making sure you keep him happy uh, and engaged, and making sure that he's still uh, getting some type of benefit from his time on campus when he's not he's gone all this time without playing. Now, Billy Gonzalez said that he's done a great job of learning and you know he seems to be okay but you know that's the only thing I would say is just making sure that he doesn't get frustrated or um, you know get mad at other guys getting shine on the field but eventually his time will come like you said when he gets that opportunity 
Um, he should be able to do some big things in this offense. Uh, but it's just a matter of they're not going to push him to get on the field if he's not ready. Guys, is this the deepest Florida receiving core that they've had <laughs> since what? Uh, since last time oh, Dallas was here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better than the 09 group. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's probably as good as that, that 05 Dallas Baker, Caldwell, or maybe 06. Indeed. With Percy, with yeah, Percy, yeah, Baker, and yeah, yeah, Jamal Cornelius. I mean, yeah, you were going your top four there were pretty really good, but I mean, what, what, six deep right now, six, seven deep. I mean, and it's not just that Florida's deep, is they, they've got so many different types of people. You've got your possession receivers, you got your speedy guys, you got your, your lanky guys, you got your, your kind of your quick, speedy, kind of get lost behind the defensive line type of guys. So you just have so many different types of people that can play. I mean, you have probably six very serviceable wide receivers, and then you may have you know two or three right behind that that could potentially play as well. I mean, it's a it's a deep, deep group of, of a lot of different skill. Yeah, and them people down in Dade struggling to find two decent defensive backs to start, man. And you got to match up for them guys. And Cal Pitts is no slouch, man. We already mentioned him. Um, he's like a little flex position. He flexes out wide. And he's a big body too. He's a different type of. He's different than all of those other guys. So, I love the receipt. I love the whole offense, man. I just need this offensive line to gel, and it's gonna get authentic, man. Well, and you also have potentially Kamori Gamble and Lucas Kroll, and you also have a you know you, you have some other guys too. That I mean, it's it's a deep group. Hey right, guys, anything else you uh, you want to hit on before we uh, wrap this one up? Punting was great all spring. Uh, Tommy Townsend really in mid-season form. Um, and we got a little long snapper battle. Hey, do they have another kid that they can send to Florida so we'll have another yeah. good punter? That's the third and final Townsend. So we're going to have to kind of like you're at, you're, at a, you're at a Wilson's at cornerback. You're also no, a punter. Are there any extended relatives? Nah, they need adoption kids. I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, I'll let you know after I'm there for Christmas dinner this year. <laughs> I can't let y'all get off of here without. We got to speak on um, some recruiting, man. Um, my only gripe right now. I think we're doing good on the trail. My only gripe right now is running back recruiting, man. Um, nobody wants to speak on it, but last year we lost Trey Sanders, uh, a guy we should have. I think we should. We, we should at the end of the day ended up with. I don't care if he ended up at Bama. Uh, we lost Kevon Lee. He decommitted. And right now it's looking like DeMarcus Bowman could be leaning towards Clemson. What's up with running back recruiting? Not everybody at once. What's up? <laughs> I think you're looking I, I, at a position group. What do you mean? Why wouldn't you I, lean towards Clemson right now? I, I think you're looking at a position group that's stacked right now. And kids, a lot of kids want to play right away. I'm not saying that's an excuse for why Trey Sanders went to Alabama because that group's stacked. And Bowman, as you said, is leading towards Clemson. But you're looking at a room that Dan plays a couple running backs. We're not cycling through four running backs like when Mac was first here. So you're looking at a position group that's stacked, and there's not really a huge need. If you can go get a kid like Kevon Lee back in the fold, I think he's the most college-ready running back, probably in one of the top three college ready running backs in the nation. I think right he's now. a five-star when it's all said and done. He's real talented. I, I, kid, I, kid measured in at six foot two twenty-three at the Orlando opening. 
Yeah, that's I'm the, not buying death though, uh, CJ. I'm not. That's that's that, not. What I'm <laughs> that's the thing though. You know, a lot of fans will look at it as a failure if you don't get Bowman, and you know that was one of the players you mentioned mentioned Silk that far needs to go out and get. Is it is a lot of optics, but if you can bring in Lee, if you don't get Bowman, you can't be you can't be terribly upset at that. I think yeah, I'm not terribly upset at it. Back, to be not terribly upset at it, but I'm not like I'm not exactly excited about running back recruiting because that's I mean that's a Lakeland I and mean, I'm not giving I'm not yeah. saying Demarcus Bowman is headed to Clemson I'm not saying that I mean my man Will Fong put his crystal ball in and people get shook out the Will Fong's crystal ball so people are a little shook you know what I'm saying so it, it Lakeland is beta territory bro um, Will Fong the crystal ball we gotta guy Kelsey's by there we gotta send whoever by there black no, we got sent by there. We need to land Demarcus Bowman. We can't let him go to Clemson. I know Clemson's a hot team off the national championship, but come on, but you, listen, listen, listen. You said it right. You, listen, you said it right there, Sil. Like you're gonna lose the, if you lose the top running back in the state again. I mean, if you're losing them to FSU or Miami, like that's gonna sting. But when yeah. they're going to the national champions out of state and they're spurning everybody else. Including other SEC teams, like I mean, sometimes you just gotta chalk it up and say it is what it is, especially if they go out and get. Yeah, but the problem is, but the problem is that even that part of the even that part is the trend of top guys going to Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, until Florida, until Florida gets on that level, like. They're they're going to miss out on kids like that, and it's going to suck because they're coming out of the Sunshine State. And we all constantly talk about Lakeland being a Gator hole. If you look at it. How many kids from Lakeland outside of Chris Rainey's class and outside of the three we grabbed last year have we pulled consistently? Yeah. Name two I mean, years Name two years in a row we pulled kids from Lakeland outside of that class. Who have we missed on, though? Like, they haven't been that talented like that. Who, who have we yeah, missed? They, they were down for a good bit there. They were down, man. I guess, I, guess, I guess the better way is – We pulled, if, what, six if, and if, 06? But I guess the better way to ask, if Florida wanted a kid from Lakeland, they went and got him. Yeah, I mean that's just what it is. I mean I understand Clemson; they hot right now. They're the national champs. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. And they've always played that area really well. Yeah, we're not competing with Terry. We're not part of that may be the problem. Everything you guys are saying, part of may be the problem. The expectation that every kid out of Lakeland's got to go to Florida when we know how much kids these days love. It's not every position. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know. I know. But you just know that they love. There, there. I'm not saying that anyone. I'm definitely not saying Demarcus Bowman is a diva. But you know that that the kids out there love making their own decision and waiting for the announcement and flipping it and not being told where to go and not being compared to former players just because they went to that school and and that's just it's just part of it and 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 yeah I don't know we just can't I just don't think we're at the point where we can say he's from Lakeland he's a top running back in the state got to go get him I I mean it's it's hard when you got Clemson hitting your phone up just as much and like like Zach's saying that's the defending national champion that that just you know put the work in hold on I'm saying it's one position I'm not saying like all of recruiting it's one position we're having this problem at. You know what I'm saying? It's not. Yeah, but, 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 but again, it's but, but who did you lose those those guys to? I mean, they should have also got Evan Neal. Evan Neal shouldn't have left the state either. But he, I mean, look how pissed his dad was. But he went to Alabama. I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? Well, you got you got Pierce year one. You get Lee back in the fold if Bowman does go to Clemson. I mean, that's not a that's not a bad haul. 
Or yeah, yeah, running back. I'm not going to write about running back. You know, so I'm not going to hold up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Position of running back. It's just the, like the overall picture. Like we got to land those guys to officially be back, man. Listen, hey, say, what you, say, say, say what you want to say, Silk. I ain't going to say it. Say it. <laughs> hey, when, even, if, even, if, you're, if your boy Sider was here, hey, one hey, of those guys would have come in the fourth. Bro. At some point, Florida's got to start landing these guys, right? I mean, if Florida goes, you know, 11-2, and 10-3 again, I mean, dude, that's back-to-back double-digit win seasons, and they've got to start landing, you know, guys yeah. that Absolutely. Else You've got to be able to land the top in-state kids if you want to be able to state claim to, to a national title. Well, especially when Florida State and Army are the state. Yeah. And it, and it is getting better. It is on a better trend than what it has been. Yeah, with, absolutely. With class. I, 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 I'm nitpicking. Uh, we hey, got to have some disagreements on this, so we got to nitpick. Hey, nitpick is when you're – you can nitpick when you're in a good spot, and that's exactly what's going on. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of the whole Bowman thing. You got to go back. You know, C.J. Spiller was once thought to be a Gator lock, and you had yeah, Urban Meyer. You had Gator you, 97 times in his life. Yeah, yeah, and you, you, had Urban Meyer, you had Urban Meyer as head coach. And Maybe it's a system thing, though, because, every, you know, that was the big thing for Urban's first couple of years is the same position. It was running back. You know, when are they going to get that elite C.J. Spiller type guy? You know, so I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it is a system thing where the carries are divvied up. Bro, Bowman goes to Penn State, and I'm gonna have to miss Silk for a cool month on Twitter. (laughs) Mute. Let's not speak on that, bro. Stay positive. (laughs) All right, guys. Final thoughts. Uh, Gators in good spot heading to uh, heading into August with the Miami game coming up. Absolutely. Three, yeah, I mean, three touchdown victory at least. I, I just think we talked about it most of the show. I mean, I, I think we all agree Florida's coaching staff is put together to take advantage of what they have and minimize, you know, their weaknesses. And we saw it all last year. That's why they won 10 games with a team that only won four the previous year. I think this staff coming out of spring has a good idea of what it has. I think that's why they were, you know, perfectly cool with the spring game being fun instead of some super competitive scrimmage type setting. And uh, I, I think that now it's just all about continuing to develop those guys going into the offseason. Give me another Nick Savage offseason, baby. Yeah, I'm here for all of that. Y'all want my take on Florida, Miami? Do it. Let's get it. Crucial. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Unexpected. If you're listening to the podcast version, you need you got to go uh, – you gotta go you gotta go to the YouTube version. Really, exactly. really gonna get Berg off the roll up now. <laughs> Ring, Ring. What's up, Graham? Yeah, far I, in, I far in a good spot. Yeah, I think Florida's in a good spot. I think obviously that first game against Miami, when you look at the offensive line, you look at Miami's front seven, I think that is a challenge. Um, and again, trial by fire, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for outside of the offensive line. I, I think that uh, outside the offensive line, the offense is very confident and who the defense has returning and the guys that have progressed this spring is going to give Florida a lot of confidence, um, I think, moving into that game. And and like you guys have said, the only thing that's really uh, concerning is the fact that it's not technically a cupcake in week one and, and it's that early game, August 24th. So I'm going to see if the offensive line is it's ready to move back now. Don't, don't talk, don't don't talk them up. It's a I was hoping that Tate Casey was going to be here so I could pull off one of my great – Best Tate jokes, but I guess he isn't going to show up. Either like Tate won't show up on August 24th. That's enough for me. (laughs) 
Tate's working, so he couldn't join us tonight. So there we go. All right, guys. Another good one. Thanks for uh, joining here on the Gator panel. What are Nick's thoughts? Nick. Nick. He's just like kickers and shit. I thought thought he would jump in. I don't think he had anything to say. I'm just going to echo everything. I mean, the only question marks we really even had had or talked about were offensive line and safety. And, I mean, you still got time there. But echo everything else said. I think this coaching staff, from what we've seen, has earned – the, the trust that you were putting in them to say, yeah, they also know the deficiencies and they'll be able to game plan and scheme around those things. I think there's a, I think there's a quiet confidence in Mullen. Uh, and it's, it's welcoming to see. It's not the ho-hum uh, Jim McElwain. And the co- of course, you can't beat I'm the troll. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. There you go. I, you read, I, yeah, I, was about to, I was just thinking to myself, uh, we did. We, we couldn't miss the uh, the troll against Georgia uh, for the attendance. So yeah, maybe it's not. Georgia maybe it's year. maybe it's not so quiet. We get in Georgia this year, bro. Well, you didn't hear me at the beginning, uh, uh, Silk, because you were having some technical issues there. But I was like, uh, Mullins troll with the attendance number. Uh, that, that's that's your level there. Yeah, man. We we get we get in Georgia this year. I don't, I don't care what nobody say. I'm not going back and forth with them people on the timeline every day. They catching the fade this year, bro. Georgia, Georgia Tech catching this L, man. No, hey, you you finally see their fans on Twitter now. It's taking a while. We we've had our knockdown dragouts with Tennessee fans. We've had our knockdown dragouts with FSU and Miami fans. You finally seeing the Georgia fans on in the Twitter sphere. They got enough stuff in their trophy case for me to argue with them, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're gonna we're gonna end that little streak they got this year. Hold up. All right, guys. Anything else? All right, all good. That's the Gator panel, spring review. Guys, uh, thanks uh, once again uh, for joining us here. Gator Nation really enjoys this. And uh, Connor, welcome. Glad you could join us, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Like the man, baby, bro. (laughs) All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Gator panel.